Just begin to ease your way into the presence of the Lord. In the book of James, it says that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And so this morning, if you're visiting with us, we invite you to draw near to God with us. In recent years, I believe God is bringing us increasingly to, a, to an understanding where what's important in the room is not what takes place on the stage, but what takes place in the room. That God's response to us as a people is not based on the skill of the musicians who are on the stage. Jesus said this, he says, those who hunger and thirst will be filled. And so we are in a time, specifically not just Sunday morning, but in a season right now as a church where we're seeking the Lord for very specific things. And I know some of you are fasting. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. <laughs> but I was asked this morning to share a couple of things about what is the object of our fast. Now, the primary reason we're seeking God in this, in this season specifically is because we feel this unction, this, this leading, that there's something of a breakthrough that needs to happen for us as individuals and us as a church. And, and we, are, we are leaning into God for that breakthrough. So even now, as you're sitting there, I pray that the presence of God would begin to stir that hunger inside of you. Now, the truth is we always need more of God, but we're not always aware of how much more of God that we need. And so part of the reason for fasting is fasting creates weakness in your body. And without realizing it, when there's weakness in your body, your spirit begins to reach out to God. I know in my journey, and I hated this idea, but I remember different times when crisis was, would come on me. And I felt, you know, sometimes it was sickness, sometimes it was financial need, sometimes it was circumstances of complex relational discord. But all of these times when I felt powerless to fix things, I felt something else inside of me reaching out to God with a hunger, with a desperation that I thought, why don't I do this all the time? Because I really need him this way all the time. It's just that right now I'm more aware of the fact that I need him. But I hated the idea that why only, especially around financial crisis, am I really, you know, I could feel my heart leaning into God like no other time during crisis. And I thought, this should be my posture all the time. Why can't I do this? Because what needs to change is my heart. What needs to change is my level of understanding of my need and the desperateness that I register in my mind, in my soul. I mean, the truth is right now, for whatever needs to happen, for whatever level of transformation you feel you need to have, have in God, the answer is right there, only inches away.
But the heart either reaches into God or doesn't reach into God. And we have become accustomed to be goaded by crisis in our lives to really seek God. I'm asking God for a change. I'm asking God for a change of perspective that we would see that everything is held together by the word of his mouth, that nothing, nothing transpires. He said, without me, you can do nothing, nothing. There's a dependency on God that we have what we don't know we have. And the beginning of coming into God's resources is registering that level of dependency. But you know what? If there's not crisis in our lives, we tend to float along from event to event, day to day, managing the simple affairs of our life. And then when crisis come that's too great for us, then we really lean into God. What if we could lean into him every second of every day? Paul writes, quoting a secular poet of his day, in him we live and move and have our being. So for those of us that are leaning into God in this season, there is that. There is that individual, personal shifting that needs to happen in our hearts. But more than that, there is... We believe in this season something strategic God wants to do in us as a church. We've gone back here. I went back six months ago and uh, into some prophetic words about the season that we're in now. And suddenly those prophetic words began to be very clearly speaking about this time. And what it said that there were strategic breakthroughs that were going to come to the church but they needed to come out of a desperation, out of a seeking, and out of seasons of prayer and fasting. And so that's why we're leaning into God with prayer and fasting. Not lost in this is the idea that when Daniel in his day came into the realization that his day was a Kairos moment, it was a significant threshold moment for change he had read in the prophecies of Jeremiah that 70 years of captivity would take place and then God would deliver Israel so here he is in Babylon he he begins to understand it, it appears like man the 70 years are up what's going on what should be happening because nothing was happening and so he began to fast and he laid and sought the Lord for 21 days. And if you go and read about that, that wrestling that took place in the realm of the spirit, as God sent an answer to him immediately, but it took, there was resistance in the spirit, and it took 21 days for this cycle to resolve itself. I know we usually don't think in cycles of 21 days when it comes to seeking God, we usually think in 15, 10-minute increments. All right, I'll pray for 10 minutes. All right, I'll, geez, I'll worship for a whole hour. And that's, again, in the larger picture, one of the things God is trying to change for us 
as he asks us the question, do you know what it means to seek God with all your heart? And the truth is, we're, we're just learning. But we're saying to God right today, Father, we want to know what it means to seek you with all of our hearts. As we begin to worship him this morning, we want to seek him with all of our hearts. And we may or may not be aware of our need right now, but it is there. And I pray, God, that the veils would be taken off of our eyes, that the scales would fall to the ground, and we would begin to see how just how insatiably beautiful you are and that we need, we need you. With every breath, we need you. And I pray, Father, that you would grace us with an awareness of what it means to pursue you with our whole heart. God, we want to say we want to want you. Yet we're real, we realize that there are times when we don't want you, that we're quite satisfied. And Father, we want to say, make us dissatisfied. Empower us to seek you. Lord, we want this to be a house. We want this to be a time of not a ceremony, ritual, or liturgy, but we want it to be real and genuine. A time where we're reaching out to you with all of our hearts because we need you. You are the fountain of life. You are the strand of life. And we long for you. We long for you. We need you today. We want to say we cry out to you. And we don't want to go another another moment with a kind of distance that guilt or shame or fear or unbelief has created in our lives. God, we want you to come. We want to see who you really are. We know you are not reluctant. But those who really seek you will be found by you. Oh, God. Let's seek him this morning. This morning, Lord, I open myself up to you once again. And I say that I need you more than I've ever needed you before. And the revelation of that let it strike me to the core. Let it hit me in the face. I just say I open myself up. All the chambers, all the doors, every hidden place, everything. I don't hide anything. I don't veil anything. I just say that this is me and here I am and I come before you as I am. God, I need you and we reach out for you right now. I reach out for you right now. I yearn for you. I just, I don't even have the words. It's just something in me. I just want you. God, bring us open. Make us open this morning. Make us raw. Make us real. Now, I don't want to really leave this moment of desperation. Again, let me emphasize, it's not up to the musicians to create, to, to lead us in this, because the musicians are there like, like the, uh, the soundtrack on a movie. It's just the background sound that should represent what's happening in our hearts. Church is a time where we're seeking God, not watching a program. And, uh, and I know most of us have been raised or around a scenario for years and years and years where other people 
were charged with the responsibility of entertaining us and keeping our attention during church. But that's not really what the time of the assembly of the believing community is really about. It's a time when we are here to seek God. And uh, I, I just, I just, you know, let me tell you, there is something coming to the earth. There is something around the spiritual technologies of God. Uh, we live in an age where we've had the opportunity to see shifts in technologies. And if you know some people who are old in your, in your life who haven't been able to make those shifts, you know, they're suddenly left out of certain kinds of conversations, certain kinds of communications. And as those technologies begin to be more and more mainstream in our society, if you don't, if you aren't conversant with them, if you can't navigate those streams of technology, you are excluded from the center of cultural life. Spiritually, the same thing is true. There is about to come a quantum shift in an understanding of what the kingdom of God is like, what it's really about. How do you function in it? And I'm, I'm telling you, older people my age, my age, and I'm telling you, I am seeking God today. I am 54 years old. I am seeking God today with a kind of a desperation because I feel I'm on the cusp that if I don't shift in my heart, that there are things, there are, there are administrations of the Holy Spirit that are going to fall on the people of God, and I will not be able to keep up anymore. And I'm, I, you know, if, if the day comes when I'm in the background just cheering others on, that's fine. But I don't want it to be because I did not press in at the, those key moments. I don't want it to be because I missed the time of visitation. I don't want it to be because I was too lazy or too, too content. In fact, actually, as I remember it now, one of the... Uh, one of the prophetic words that I was given is that God would bring me into that next wave. If I did not become satisfied with the experiences and the revelations and, this, and the manifestations of God and experience of this time, this is a key moment for us as the people of God. I want to encourage you, don't hold back. Don't, don't wait for something to happen in the music. God is saying, listen, where is your heart? Are you desperate? When uh, blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was walking by, nobody told him, hey, it's time to cry out. Nobody told him, hey, you know, if you do such and such, you will get healed. He just knew it was a, a moment. It was a time of opportunity. And the desperation that he had in him met with the, uh, what he knew was an opportunity, converged together and created a moment. God, we want to see a moment of convergence in this season of our life, not just this morning, but, but in this season of our life, God, we want to cry out to you. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Show us what hunger is. Show us what hunger is. I want to encourage you to to pray, to walk around, to do something, but reach out to God. Reach out to God. Father, we need you. We need you. Again, I open myself up. I open myself up. 
of trying to put on some sort of facade or veil. I know I'm not alone in this. God, we want to worship you wholeheartedly, and I have no idea how. There's so much more. There's so much more. There is universes of, of openness just waiting. And I don't know how to grab it, but just to die. God, change me. Change me. I reach out for you. I let, I just peel off that outer layer. I want to step into the fullness that you have. I step into the fullness that you have. God, I want to be different. I don't want to lean into you just when I need something, when I'm desperate. I want to lean into you all the time. I want to be in your presence all the time. Change me, God. Change my heart to seek you all the time. Not to turn into the comfortableness of life when I have everything I need. God, I need you. I need you, God. We cry out this morning, Lord, for a crossing over. We cry out this morning, Lord, for a crossing over. We cry out this morning, Lord, for a crossing over. There's no inheritance on that side of the river. The inheritance is on the other side of the river. And so we're crying out this morning, Lord, for a crossing over, a crossing over, a crossing over, a crossing over. We pray, Lord, cross this people over, cross this people over, cross this people over. This morning, Lord, we take our position as those priests and we step into the water. We say, let our feet be the first ones to touch the water. Let the waters part as our feet, as these very feet in this place, as these feet touch the water. Let those waters part and let this people cross over into a land of inheritance. Let this take place, Lord. Let this take place, Lord. Let this take place, Lord. I'm so sick of standing on the shore. I'm so sick of just standing on one side and looking at the promise in the other side. God, I say right now, let us take the step in. Let us come into that place and part the river for us. Let us go into the promise. Let us go to the other side of the river. Let us get off this shore and go in fully to the promise. God, throughout Scripture, you've opened up the door. You've made a way. We're asking now, make a way for us to go through. Holy Spirit, come and mess us up. 
Come and mess up the way we do church. Come and mess up the way we do life. Come and mess up the way we pray and the way we worship. Come and mess up the way we approach you and the way we view you. Holy Spirit, we're saying whatever it takes and however it looks, only that you would come. Holy Spirit, this dead, dry life surrounded in this valley of bones is empty, meaningless, void. We're looking for the real. We're looking for the life. We're looking for power. We're looking for zeal. We're looking for a life in the spirit. We're looking for a kingdom that shakes everything that it comes in contact with. We're looking for interaction with heaven when we pray. We're looking for a worship that blows the doors off. We're looking for an awakening on the inside. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come, Holy Spirit? We call on you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, fall like a hurricane. In the name of Jesus, fall like a hurricane in this place. Mess up everything. Shake everything that can be shaken. Holy Spirit, we're done with this quiet life. We're done trying to keep it calm. We're done with all of that. We want you. We want you. We want you. We want your ways. We want your voice. We want to hear what you're saying. We want a transformation on the inside so that we obey what we hear quickly. Teach us once again to be servants who hear and obey quickly. We're asking for a release of a revelation of the cross. A revelation of the death that you called us to take up your cross and follow. Holy Spirit, we're asking your help to crucify this flesh. Let death come. Let the refiner's fire come. Let the fuller's soap come. Let the burning come. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, shake the foundations of who we are. Shake the foundations of who we are. Oh God, oh God, God, come, come and blow the lids off, God. It's like we're these containers. And we've been left in the fridge a little too long and it's starting to mold and it's starting to break down. And there's these gases that are starting to form inside and it's creating this pressure inside and the lid is gonna bust off. The lid has to bust off and everything inside needs to be seen for what it is. It needs to be seen for what it is. There needs to be fresh air in there. Let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Oh God, come. Oh God, come. We can't contain what's in us anymore. We can't hold it in. We can't hold it in anymore, God. We need your fresh air. We need you to come. We can't be left stale in the back of the fridge. We need you to come and clean out the fridge, God. And we're See what's in there, God, but we need it to come. Oh, and the smell. 
let me humble myself before you because the words that you give me seem so heavy so I want to I want to make this moment right here about the Lord and about him speaking and not Jesse speaking but he's given me a word about the shaking that's about to come It's going to shake things that you thought you stood on that were solid. It's going to come and shake things that you thought were, were right and what you were doing right. But there's a shaking coming to even this house here that is about to cause a wave to take you off your feet and swirl you in the ocean. And the only thing that you know when you're under the water is which way the bubbles go. And they always go up. But you will think even at times that you're swimming downward, but you have to follow the bubbles on their way up. I am prophesying a season of shaking. It is going to rattle loose the things that we have held on to that are not of God. Because he is calling us into a greater fullness, a greater mandate, and a greater call. The things that have been spoken even over this house over the last 30 years have scratched the surface of what he wants to release in this day. So I say again, shake the ground of our feet. Let us only lean on you. Now, I don't know if you caught the significance of what Jesse just shared, but it's, it's the exact thing I've been thinking about, sharing about for a few minutes here. But whenever, whenever you think about your life and the things you want to change, you're always going to focus on what you believe you're doing wrong. But I'm telling you, the logjam is not in what you're doing wrong. There's humility around that area of what you're doing wrong. The logjam is always around what you think you're doing right. All the things that you feel commend you to God around your culture, around your family traditions, around the way you pray, all the things that you feel that are, uh, that, are, that are righteous expressions in your life that are not born of God, these are the things that actually stand and keep us at a distance because God resists the proud. And what is the proud is the proud is Cain. 
Cain was proud. Cain offered that thing that was significant to him. He, he, he gave God of the fruit of the ground because he was a tiller of the ground. He gave God out of the produce of his effort, out of his strength, the thing that he did well, he offered to God. And God says, listen, that does not line up with what I asked for. This is not what I desire. And what we do in our Christian life is we, we have areas of things we think we do well, and that's what we're offering to God as justification for not doing the other things. And then we look around and we say, well, how come does that guy over there have favor that I wish I had? Because, not because, you know, his talents or gifts, but he's oriented around the thing that God asked for. That's why he has favor. Because the thing he values is the thing that God values. Well, uh, you know, it's just by accident or coincidence that he lined up, you know, because Abel, he worked with animals and he gave God. So Cain thought, well, he's just doing with what's right for him. But God is saying, no, it's not about Abel, it's about me. Abel saw that. That's why he aligned and started doing things with animals. That's why he was able to give me that. So there are things in our hearts right now that we use, judgments right now that we have against one another, things. Well, when is God going to have regard for my sacrifice? When is God going to begin to honor me for the thing that I'm doing when he's, when, when he's honoring this other person? I'm telling you, it's all about what God wants. It's all about what God wants. And my whole passion, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, penetrate us with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What we're asking God to do is, will you come, God, and intrude on our lives and begin to actually touch our holy cows, our sacred things, our, these things we hold up in the back of our hearts that nobody sees as the reason why we ought to be blessed. What is it we think we're doing better than others? What is it we think uh, uh, that we often hold and yet we often judge others for not coming around what we're doing and say, why, why aren't more people preoccupied with this thing that I'm preoccupied about? This is profound. This is about our hearts. There are things that are things that God has been wanting to touch. Father, in Jesus' name, we cry out to you. We say, God, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in to our sacred places. God, I repent for where my righteousness has taken place of your righteousness, for where I thought I was good enough for the things that I can do are like filthy rags. God, I repent for trying to take control for my pride, oh God, for gossiping and backbiting and not loving with your love. God, I repent, I'm sorry. Only you are good through me. Only your goodness is good enough. Oh God, God, that we would walk in your presence that your goodness would flow through us, God. That we would see with your eyes of love. That we wouldn't pick and choose who fits into our little circle of love, God. Oh, God. I, 
I feel like there's a whirlwind in this room. And I don't know how to explain it, but it, it seems like the furniture of, the, of what I thought the kingdom of God in my life is being shifted around. Things are being moved around. And there's an, there's an internal disorientation because I have to come to the place where I, don't, I say to God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't even know what you want. But I'm saying I am choosing to align. I am saying today I am choosing to align. I am choosing, Lord, that you will redecorate the house of my life. Oh. If you can say that in your heart right now, just begin to call out to God. Say, I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. Because, Lord, I confess I don't know what's hiding behind the curtains. I don't know what value I put on the curtains. I don't know. The things I'm taking pride in that do not please you. God, God. Shift. Shift our lives. I confess, God, my absolute poverty before you. I confess that I come before you with a bank account that's empty. And I thought you delighted in me because of my ability to be steadfast and faithful to you. And I turn and I believe you today that you desire mercy and not sacrifice. I turn towards you today in my poverty, in my inability to see what you're doing and what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're desiring. And say, you are good. You are beautiful. I have nothing, but you are beautiful. You chose Israel when she was poor and naked and covered in blood. And here I am, poor and naked and covered in blood. And I long that you would exalt yourself. I long that you would fill your pleasures. I long that you would satisfy your nature, that you would drink of us, God, that we could be that pleasing thing, that we could be that delightful thing, that we could be filled with your nature. Oh, oh, to be filled with your nature. You would never fill me with your nature because I've made myself sufficient. I gaze upon the Lamb of God. I gaze upon the man, Christ Jesus. And I say, oh, bring me into covenant. Make me one with the one who sits on the throne. Oh, God. Oh, the new covenant. Write your law on our heart. Make us like the Almighty. Fill us with your nature, God. Fill us with your glory. Fill us with righteousness. Fill us with justice. Fill us with love. Fill us with mercy. Ah, oh, ah, oh, God, respond. Respond to our poorness. Respond to our bankrupt state. And fill us. 
This is a bit unusual for me, so I'm going to speak to you in a parable. Every day, hundreds of people walk into the White House. The common feature is they all have a security clearance. The difference is where they can go and what they can touch. This moment is a moment where higher security screening is available. The majority of the people who go through the White House are tourists. They see very little and they can touch barely anything. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This cry, I want to see you. God knows how serious we really are. And all too often, we want the benefits of seeing without the experience of seeing. Because the experience of seeing is undoing. It unravels who we are in order to impart who he is. It involves a shaking. And the prophetic theme we've heard and you're going to hear again and again and again is about a shaking. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken to establish the things that cannot be shaken. This is not only happening in the earth generally, it's happening specifically in our lives. It was the same invitation that was given to Israel when they came to Mount Sinai. And they, they wanted to see God, they thought. They thought they wanted to experience God. And they, they came to the mountain. And, but then when God began to approach and there was a sound of a trumpet like a siren that cut through the air, that began to cause their flesh, their very cells to quiver, when it began to shake the earth like a rumbling and there was an earthquake and the sound of a roar, they withdrew in fear. And they were not, they did not endure. They were not able to continue to press into his presence because things were unraveling in their lives. And there is an unraveling that comes with a shaking to our very lives, to the things we thought were most precious and most important. <sighs> but we're coming to the place where we're saying, God, I realize I do not see. I only see in part. And this is what Gideon said the last time he was here when he talked about the rainbow. He said the rainbow has never been a half circle. When you talk about a rainbow, people immediately envision a half circle. But a rainbow is a, always a full circle. And the problem is we always envision the part we think we know. And we're so convinced of what we know. We're unable to let that go in order to see the larger picture. I'm not talking about adapting 
a new theology, a new doctrine, a new teaching to the entourage of the teachings that you've absorbed and the observances that you've sort of created in your life and the devotional styles. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a fundamental shift to the spiritual operating system that we function on. There is an upgrade coming. There is a, is a dynamic quantum leap in terms of the operational manifestation of the kingdom of God inside of us. And all the ministries that have been prophesied about the healings, the signs and wonders, the faith, all of those things are going to sit upon a fresh operating system. There's no possible way you can be in charge of delineating each and every stroke of the key that needs to be removed and changed and shifted. It comes by download. So, Father, we want... We see a generation rising. I've seen a generation rising with a capacity and a pace and an ability, Lord. And I want to be part of that. Now, this is this this is not new. This has happened again and again and again and again, and denominations and churches and and uh, and streams within the body of Christ have been left in the dust, left in the past because they're unable to make that shift. And it reminds me of a time some years ago when I was on television with a a leading voice in our nation and. We got these, uh, a call from this guy who was very dissatisfied with the show. And he said, he said, I don't know what you guys think you're doing talking in this code language and, and you know, talking about these things. And it doesn't make any sense. I didn't know what you were talking about. I mean, who do you think you are? And we were just talking about regular stuff of the, the kingdom of God, just typical operations and nuances of the person of the Holy Spirit. God, forgive us for wanting to stay infants. So God is asking us collectively and individually and collectively, we do not have a choice. We do not have a choice because God is jealous over the purposes that he's placed in this, in this building, in, this, in the people that are here. And he, and, and he is jealous to see it come to pass. There's a role for this region in Canada, in the nations, and we've been called for such a time as this. And I don't even know, I'm not saying this from a standpoint that I don't know, I know what this looks like, because I don't. <sighs> but God is moving around the room and he's, he's heard you say, Lord, I want a change. And he's coming to some of you saying, no, you don't. You want the fruit of change. You want the benefit of change. And in your heart, no, no, I'm, God, I, I do, I do want change. 
And I feel like God is about to say to some of us, if you want change, then. And he's going to put something in front of us. And it's not a time to try and create an idea or a thought of some trigger that will suddenly bring those shifts to your lives. But there are proofs that he asks for, symbols. And sometimes it begins with the most insignificant things. Forgive this person in your life. Repent for this. Go back and restore that relationship. Release those ones that you have kept, that you have judged jealously. God, let everything that can be shaken, be shaken. If you go to Hebrews 12, where those words are written, you're going to find that it happens. Those words are all in the context of the discipline of a father who's coming to your life to align things to align things in your heart. And, and as he presses through that chapter, the Hebrew writers comes to the end and said, listen, our God is a consuming fire and he's going to establish a kingdom. He's coming to give us access to a kingdom. And I wish it was as easy as do this or do that, but it isn't. Hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to do something. I hope it's all right. Della, can you come up here? You shared something with me yesterday, and I, I just feel it symbolizes something. And as she's coming, let me tell you... Uh, a thing that happened with her husband Rick some years ago, and the, and when I see no, come right up, keep coming, keep coming. When I see people who are older than me, who are always continuously pressing into God, come right up here, come on, stand with me, so I don't have to be alone. When I see people who are older than me who are continuing to press in for what God has, and are shifting. Uh, I'm, I'm always impressed by that. But one of the things that Rick shared some time ago, and I can't remember the context, was about when he was called to do uh, ministry at old folks' homes. And he, you know, there are things that God asks you to do in the course of your journey. And, uh, and others were not coming around. And he, at first it bothered him that he wasn't, you know, it wasn't sort of grabbing the imagination of others and others coming in and this becoming this, big ministry expression and then the Lord dealt with him in some way basically said I, I told you to do this so do it and we have this habit of you know making holy shrines out of the things God has asked us to do and asking that the whole church and everybody else celebrate that thing the way we celebrate it because that speaks to our significance and that's a part of the shift that needs to take place because, yeah, you are called to do different things, but you're not called to force the rest of everyone around you to celebrate and orient around that thing. Just do what you're called to do. But uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yesterday you shared about the word. I shared a word yesterday about, about Della said, you know, I've heard you share about this, that, that story, because I think it's significant 
that we keep, that we know that there are things that are going to take some time. And we need to hear things over and over. But there comes a moment when something shifts. Can you tell us about that? Okay. Uh, so it was very interesting when... Uh, for me, when Mark was speaking and he said he lost his notes, um, afterward I was kind of glad he lost his notes because he made it so simple that I could understand it. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, I, I've wrestled with that a long time and I still don't have it 100% perfect, but what he said was that how do we measure good? Like how do we measure? What's our measuring stick? And we have to have a measuring stick of the Holy Spirit and a measuring stick of how good God is and how we measure ourselves against the purposes and plans of God in our lives. And so that became real to me. Why I didn't pick that up before, I'll never understand. And maybe you don't understand what I'm meaning, but there comes a moment of clarity sometimes in our lives where the word of God is given and how we measure it um, against what we are like. And so I think there's more about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and I'd love to have a conversation sometime with anyone about that. But I think the other thing is, um, and something that God taught me a long time ago about ministry, is that ministry is something that you start to do because you receive a call from God. And you don't have to ask yourself why everyone else isn't doing what you're doing, because they're not called to. They simply are not. You are called to do a specific thing that God has ordained you to do. If you're called to go to Guatemala, then you go to Guatemala. If you're called to visit an old folks home and uh, give um, renewed hope to someone who's in the last part of the journey of their life, then you do that. If you're called to go to Everglades where there's people that have lived on the street forever and ever, and uh, now they they can't function anymore and their families have forsaken them, then you go there and you minister. You minister till God says that's enough. And so each of us are given a ministry like that and we don't, we don't have to argue and fight about that. Sometimes other people will come alongside of us. They will come alongside of us, but it's between you and God. It's between you and God. Thank you, Della. The thing that I just appreciated in she said, you know, you've talked about that so many times. She said, I even asked myself, well, what, why, what does that have to do with us? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What is, what is that about even? And she said, it, for all the times we were referred and talked about it yesterday, it clicked in. She's an intelligent woman. Very intelligent. I mean, she's very gifted. It's not a question of intelligence why some of these things... There are things in the kingdom of God that you have to shift into. And it takes a certain humility. And I love even the humility that she had to come and say, man, I never understood that. And then boom, suddenly, oh, so, so simple. God is looking for a posture in us. The week before I went to Guatemala here a couple weeks ago, I talked about this talked about that moment in your life you see you don't know how committed to your own perspective you really are you don't know how committed to that that you are but this is what I've realized is no matter how nice people are there is a resilient stubbornness inside of us that says I believe what I believe 
and I suspect everyone else who does not believe exactly like I believe. I automatically view with skepticism everybody who doesn't say things or see things exactly as I do. And what that, what that body of conviction says, it says, I see. I see. I see better than you. I am embarrassed today when I think about it. The numbers of times, I remember as a young Bible college student, we know-it-alls would sit around with our lack of understanding, with our lack of experience, with our very shallow view of Scripture and critique ministers who came in with 30, 40 years of experience in the kingdom of God, international voices, anointed servants of God, excellent ones, generals that were around the world doing things in an amazing way. They come in and we would sit back later on and critique and pull apart the way that they said and what that means and the imbalance that was in it. I thought the arrogance, the arrogance of it is stunning. And I, I, I think, oh, God, when does it end? And I'm not saying that just to rehash the fact that this is one of the things that God is doing in my life. But there comes a pivotal moment in your life where you begin to realize, I do not see. And I'm telling you right now, People with mental illness that go into mental illness, they believe they see. They believe. They're, they are convinced their perspective on this is greater than anybody else's. And behind that mental illness is a criticism and a valuing of my own opinion that is not proportionate with my experience or my knowledge or my capacity. Pride, pride, pride is the root of mental illness. Does it mean there's not a physiology to it? No, there's still a physiology. But which comes first, the chicken or the egg? I'm telling you, the source of the dysfunction that's in the earth is I value my opinion. I value my perspective. I believe I see better than others. And every significant shift in my life that's happened is when I've come to a place and I, I, I begin to believe. I think my spiritual father, Gideon Chu, sees something I do not. He doesn't claim to see everything. But around me, I remember the distinct moment when I thought, I think there's something misaligned in my being the way I process knowledge, maybe pride, something is misaligned and I can't figure out what it is. But I believe he, I hid behind a wall for years of, now me and God are gonna fix this. Me and God, me and God, me and God. And God was waiting for me to align in humility with voices he had already put in my life. Because he basically says to me the same thing he says about love. If you can't love your brother whom you've seen, how can you love God whom you haven't, haven't seen? And he said this to me. He said, Mark, if you can't honor the voices I put in your life whom you've heard, how can you honor the voice of the one you have not heard? You are, you are dreaming if you think 
you are specifically, specially led of the Spirit of God, but cannot function in sync with spiritual authorities I put in the earth and anointed to be generals over my, my people. I'm telling you, this is a, such a deep root, such a deep root in our nation, in our church, in us. And God is offering us, say, listen, man, I am doing everything I can short of destroying your whole lives to communicate to you that there are missing ingredients. Respond, respond. For me, there is a mounting evidence, mounting evidence that in my life that some of the things that I've waited for and prayed about and longed for and looked for and hoped for and believed I was going to be a part of that they could pass me by because I am holding to a belief that I see something that I do not. Humility is not self-effacing in terms of lying to yourself about what you are and what you're not. It's just an appreciation of the facts, of the truth about what your limitations are. What kind of grace is on your life? What kind of grace is not on your life? So, Father, I pray today that these two would meet together in our hearts where out of that desperation that, Lord, I, we're coming to a moment where the bell's going to ring and I'm not even sure if I'll be able to hear the bell when it rings. I want to be able to hear the bell when it rings. That, God, the desperation to want to hear coupled with the knowledge that it can be heard if we are so postured, would give us an orientation that will bring favor, bring grace to this body of people and become a blessing, a blessing, Lord, to this region. We pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? I just want to share a couple things before we go to the offering. I was thinking of past, as Pastor Mark was talking, I had, I remember going to a conference uh, probably about seven years ago, just after Jen and I had gotten back from Uganda, and uh, we were speaking at this conference, and, uh, you know, we got to meet some of the other speakers. One of them was Russell Standell, a missionary in Columbia, and this other fellow, and I forget his name, Pastor Mark knows him. But I remember this gentleman had come up at one point, and uh, he wasn't speaking yet, but he just came up for a minute and was introducing himself, and he decided to talk about all the books he had and everything that he had for sale on the back. And he shared for about two to three minutes, and uh, I remember sitting in the service going, this guy's a fluff. Like, he's just here to promote himself. He's here to sell himself. And I, I made this judgment about this man. And I was positive I was right, absolutely positive. And I remember, you know, we ended up finishing the service off and all that stuff. And we went to the back and all the speakers were in the back room. And I had spent some time talking to Russell Standall. And all of a sudden, this gentleman was there. And he wanted to come talk to me and Jen. And so he had come over to us. And I got to admit, my back was up. I was like, oh, here comes the fluffy guy. Right? And he comes over to me. As soon as he came up to me, I got about this close to him. And I heard as clear as day the Holy Spirit say, Stand up straight. You're talking to a hero of the faith right now. 
And I just was overwhelmed, like, okay. And as soon as this man started talking to me, I knew it. I could hear it. I mean, this man had smuggled Bibles into every country pretty much in the world. He spent his life doing that. I realized something. I was wrong. 100% wrong. And I thought I had judged him right. But I didn't. And so, you know, there are areas in our journey and in our life where we are, we're wrong. <laughs> so I want us to do something today. I felt this. Let's all stand to our feet. I always get us to do this, so we might as well do it again. I felt like today that God said, you know what? We need to actually break off where we've actually placed walls around our heart. Because we've all done it. We have these hidden walls around our hearts. And I heard this statement loud and clear a couple times today. I will go so far and no further. And I actually felt we may not actually say it, but we've done it with our posture. I will go so far and no further. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this. Why? As simple as that. Why? And I started thinking about the earlier pioneers, the earlier explorers. And they made a determination that the world was flat and there was a point where people would fall off. But we all know there was one explorer who decided to what? Go a little bit further. And because he decided to go further, he found out that the world was round. And I felt like the Lord saying the exact same thing. Why stop? There's so much further that you can go. Take down these walls. No more restrictions. Stop it. Do you realize how big my kingdom is? So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, where we have actually put up these walls around our hearts, break them down in the name of Jesus. These hidden walls that we don't even see at times, God, but we put them up. Why? Because it makes us feel better. We may feel safer. Whatever the reason is, God, tear down these walls. Father, your kingdom is so big, we want to explore everything you possibly have. And so, Father, today I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would break those walls down. And today, we'll go further. Yes. We'll go further. Today is the day where we will say that. We will go further. Let's say that together. We will go further. And determine that in your heart, that you will go further. And not just on a Sunday. Not just for the two hours that we're here but in our walk with God.